God's on the move, God, God's doing something, then once you had a taste, it's like you get a taste for Whitaker's chocolate, you want more. Especially, especially the coconut variety. Coconut. Yeah. How many are with me there? Yeah, yeah you just want this. And the thing with serving Jesus is, is like a, it's addictive. Like what Ben said, you know, I give because of life like this. We've got so many people in our world right now who need Jesus, and we want to build a church that can reach everyone, no matter what they're going through. Tonight, we're going to start with a little bit of the Fresh Prince. How many love the Fresh Prince? We're going to get a little bit old school. I thought we'd change it up a bit, and then we'll dig into the Word of God. So I'm, I'm going to play a clip. This clip made my wife cry, and I might have had some watery eyes. And... Uh, and uh, it's a powerful clip, but I, I want you to take a look at this and then we'll go to the Word of God. Here we go. Luke, if you walk out of Will's life now, don't you ever come back. Sit down. Take a time for the lecture. I said sit down, Luke. You know, Will was doing just fine until you showed up. But now that you're back, you have responsibilities to him. Hey, look, we're still going to take the trip. Oh, bull! Bull! Will is not a coat that you hang in the closet and pick it up when you're ready to wear it. His life goes on. He's not supposed to be here for you. You're supposed to be here for him. You get off my back! You think I want this? It just happened! Now, when Will was a baby, I was scared. Oh, Cut the crap, all right? Cut it. Because I've been there. But I didn't run out on my family. I was there every day for them. Because that's what a man does. Fine, Philip. You win. You the man. You a better man than me. You happy? Now, you going to tell Will or not? I'm not going to do your dirty work for you. Fine. I'll call him from the rope. Yeah, then why don't you do that? Yeah, I'll do it. Daddy out! What's up? Will. <laughs> Damn it, I'm glad you're here. Um, some business came up. I gotta handle it. So we're gonna have to put a, our trip on hold. You understand? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Just, just for a couple of weeks. Mm, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little longer. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Look, I'll, I'll call you next week and we'll iron out the details. Okay? Yeah, yeah. It was great seeing you, son. You too, Lou. Yeah, um... Sorry, Will. You know what? Actually, this works out better for me. You know, the Slimmies of Summer come to class wearing next to nothing. You know what I'm Will, saying? Well, it's all right to be angry. Hey, well, why should I be mad? I'm saying, at least he said goodbye this time. I just wish I hadn't wasted my money buying this stupid present. I'm sorry. I, you know, if there was something that I... Hey, you know what? You ain't got to do nothing. Nothing. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old, you know? 
Ain't like I'm gonna be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty damn good attitude, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Did. Got through my first day without him, right? Mm -hmm. I learned how to drive. I learned how to shave. I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. I need him then and I don't need him now. Will. Nah, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm gonna get through college without him. I'm gonna get a great job without him. I'm gonna marry me a beautiful honey and I'm gonna have me a whole bunch of kids. I'm gonna be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come he don't want me, man? How many know hurt people hurt people? But also changed people change people. Forgiven people forgive people. As many people in this room have had had people walk out on them, disappointment, let them down. But the fact is, because they now know Jesus, they're in a different place. We want to build a church that can reach Will. We want to build a church that can reach every broken person in this world who's ever been let down, who's ever been abused. See, we've got to understand when it comes to church, church is Jesus' answer to the world. Church is the vessel that Jesus has chosen to heal broken hearts, to preach the gospel. Church is the, the team. We're the team of people who call to bring resolution to situations like that and say, hey, you're not alone. And you don't need to do life alone. I, I love this church because we've got so many people who have found answers in Jesus. Uh, but we exist not just for the people in this room right now. We exist for the people that we encounter on a daily basis who've got issues like this. And the danger is we sit here and we think our needs met. But the whole design of God, the way that He's designed the church, is now that we'd be an answer to somebody else's need. That we wouldn't just come to a place and receive an answer, but that we would become the answer to the world around us. Come on, how many want to be a part of a church like that? God, so many people talk about living the dream. I'm just living the dream. They can say it even in a sarcastic tone. Oh, living the dream. Have to go to work tomorrow. Living the dream. Got to study. Then there's, you know, oh, I'm actually living the dream. How many know God wants us to live the dream? God wants you to have a fulfilled life. And fulfillment comes from a place of serving. Let's go in our Bibles today. Let's go to Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to recover some ground I covered this morning. Uh, but I want to drill this in because I believe we live in a consumeristic culture. 
We live in a culture right now where it's about my need and it's about me. But what we don't answer, uh, what we don't realize is that God's design is that our needs are met through serving somebody else. Our hearts come to a place of satisfaction through looking not to ourselves, but looking to Jesus and then serving Jesus. I want to ask the question, what can God do through you? Come on, what can God do through you? Because if you have Jesus living on the inside of you, I believe God can do a whole lot through your life. You can change the world around you because change lives, change lives. Well, let's go to Exodus chapter 6. This is uh, our text. Exodus 6 verse 5, it says, You can be sure that I've heard the groans of the people of Israel. Right now, I believe God hears the cry in the hearts and lives of people right around us. I want to say, as believers, do we hear that cry? Maybe there was a point in time where you were the one crying. You're the one in slavery. Here it says that God heard the cry of the Israelites who were in slavery. They were in Egypt. He heard the groans of the people of Israel who were now slaves to the Egyptians. And he said, and I'm well aware of my covenant, my promise with them. He says this, therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will free you from the oppression and I'll rescue you from slavery in Egypt. How many reckon that's good news? Come on, that's good news if you know what it is to have been a slave, to be under bondage, to, to be in a place where you're oppressed on a daily basis. God's saying, I will free you. I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and with great acts of judgment, and I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. I, I love that. God will claim us. He will brand us as His people. I, I, I love the fact that we want, uh, as a church, that, that we want to be a designer church. Uh, we we want to be a church that doesn't just wake up in the morning and throw whatever's close to us, but we want to live by design. How many know God's got a design for yours and my life? He's got a pattern for us to follow. It's, it's found in the Bible. You know, there's, there's principles in there that give us a pattern for life. You know, as a church, we don't want to just be the church we've got. We want to be the church that God's designed. You know, I love what we've got right now. I love the people in this place, but how many know God's got more? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, God's got more. In fact, this is just the foundation of what God wants to release. And I love within this passage, within these three verses, there's four promises. There's four I wills. Here God says, I will free you. I will rescue you. I will redeem you. And I will claim you. I will. Uh, this is what I want to do, and this is what I'm going to do. I, I will free you, I will rescue you, I'll redeem you, and I'll claim you. God says, I will. And these four promises actually make up how the Jews would celebrate the Passover. Now, the Passover celebration was all about God delivering the Israelites from Egypt, from oppression. 
And that is right, the Jews would celebrate, they still do today, with four cups. There's four cups in a Passover celebration. The first cup being one of salvation, the second cup being one of deliverance, the third cup being of redemption, and the fourth cup is the cup of fulfillment. Four words I want you to remember. The first being salvation, the second being deliverance, the third being redemption, the fourth being the cup of fulfillment. So, so, so what does God wanna do? He wants to save us, He wants to deliver us, He wants to redeem us, and He wants to, us to live in a place of fulfillment. That's good news, isn't it? Come on, those promises weren't just to the Israelites, they are to you and I. To anybody who confesses Jesus as their Lord and Savior, He wants to save you from your sin. He wants to save you from your past. He, he wants to save you from slavery. Do many people think, yeah, I can sin and do whatever I want and you know, it won't have an effect on my life. No, no, you're a slave to whatever you obey. And Romans talks about how sin enslaves us. But the good news is Jesus died on the cross and he paid the price of our sin. And he conquered sin and death once and for all so that we can live free, so that we can know the forgiveness of God. That's good news, isn't it? He saved us, but he's also delivered us. See, the Israelites, they were delivered from Egypt, but the problem in the wilderness, if you know the, the story, was Egypt was still in them. They were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. They still thought like they were slaves. And God had to get them to a place where their mind shifted, where there was a change. You know, how many know today you can be saved but still think like you thought before you got saved? You know, you can be going to heaven but still living in hell. Why? Because your mind hasn't changed. Because you still think the same way. You still, conform, you still conform to the pattern of this world. You know, as I said, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's true. Too many people buy into stuff because it's popular. But it's truth that sets us free. So what does God want to do? He wants to save us. He wants to deliver us. Come on, how many have got some things in their past that are still biting at your heels? Every time you try to take a step forward, it's almost like something's dragging you back. You know, every time you take a step forward, you think, oh, but this went on in my life. I can't do this. You know, what if, you know, it gets exposed? How many know God already knows all your junk? He already knows all your stuff and He still chooses you. He chooses me. You don't have to have it all together, but all together but you need to know that you've been set free, not by your good works, by what, by, by what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Come on, He saved us. He's delivered us. The third cup is He redeems us. Redemption simply means to buy back. It's like when you have a voucher. You know, you redeem that voucher. And God's bought us back. He's brought us back to what He originally intended. It's like when Adam and Eve ate of the apple, 
It was before that, Adam and Eve could see themselves perfectly as God created them. But the moment they ate that apple, it was like the enemy took a stone. Because of their choice, he was empowered and he threw that stone into the mirror. That mirror shattered. So that when Adam and Eve looked in that mirror, they didn't see themselves as God created them, but they saw a distorted picture of themselves. The good news is, God just doesn't deliver us, He redeems us. See, see we need to be delivered, because otherwise we'll look at our future through our past. You know, that's why too many people have illegitimate dreams. You know, they got, put Christianese around it. Uh, they, they used all the term and the, tol- uh, the term and the, ter- ter- uh, the language. Uh, they have all the language, but rarely I'm still using God to accomplish the things that I want to do. But, but here's the thing, is, is when you come to God and He delivers you, He purifies your motives. He purifies your heart so you can see clearly. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall, come on, anybody know, for they shall, they they shall see God. How many want to see God? See, you'll live with a distorted vision unless uh, unless you're delivered. But God wants to redeem you. That means he wants to repair the cracks in that mirror. If you could just realize who you are in God, you'd change the world. Come on, some of you are still looking at yourself through your brokenness. Some of you are still looking at yourself through your past mistakes. No, God wants to repair the mirror so that when you look in it, you see yourself as God intended. You got a unique God shape. You got unique gifts. Many of you would have done strength finders. You know, I had a friend say, Well, I haven't got great strength. You know, I got all the dumb ones. <laughs> it's like, how can they be dumb? They're strengths. They're not weaknesses. God's given you gifts. And he, if he's given you gifts, they're a gift from God, not a gift from the warehouse. You gotta hear me. Is you got something amazing to contribute? You got something amazing to offer. You're a child of God. You're a son and daughter of the King. You can change the world. Come on, I reckon God deserves a big clap of praise for who He's made you to be. So what does He do? He saves us. He delivers us. He redeems us. And then he wants us to drink the cup of fulfillment. So many people today, uh, they want to move forward in their their Christian life, but they don't know how. And they live in this constant state of unfulfillment, discontent, dissatisfied. And I say, many people are are mad, but they don't even know why they're mad. You know, just people are just mad. Some people, you know, just complain. And it's like they go looking for stuff to complain about. How many know some people like that? It's just, you know, no matter what's going on, they've always got an issue. They've always got something to complain about. 
Come on, that's God's promise to you. That's the reason Jesus came. Come on, God wants you fulfilled in your relationships. And you're right, not jumping from one relationship to another. Hey, he's got a plan for you to succeed in your relationships. Yeah, your past may not have been that good, but God's got a specific plan for your life. He wants you to bring, bring you back to his original intention. And he wants you to succeed. I, I really believe the richness of my life is found in the relationships of, of God. The people I've stood with over years, the people, you know, who have journeyed with, yeah, where we've gone through some difficult times, but we've come out finding answers in Jesus. Uh, in Jesus. And, and that's rich. That's satisfying. That's what a good church is built on, significant relationships. And from those significant relationships, significant ministry takes place. Come on, God wants you to be satisfied in your work. God doesn't just want you to earn a living. He wants you to build a life. And so many people, you know, go to work because they have to, because they have to earn some money. Come on, God wants to put a fire in your belly. He wants you to give vision beyond just getting a paycheck. Come on, He wants you to live a full life, not just two days of the week, not just living life on the weekend. Come on, God wants you to live a full life 24-7. Come on, if you believe that, give Him a big clap of praise. Full, not mediocre. Jesus said, I come to change. This is what I came to do. And so I came to give you life and life to the full. God wants you to be content. So many people are searching for meaning and possessions. If I had that, and we buy into a myth that someday more will be enough. If I had that, that will satisfy me. That won't satisfy you. I like what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. He said, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. I have learned. Contentment is a learned skill. It's something that you've got to learn. He said, I, you know, with a hands full or hands empty, I've learned this thing of contentment. I'm satisfied. How many know? Many of us have upgraded our phones. But there's always another upgrade. You know, some of you have bought new shoes and you think, man, these shoes. But how many know there's going to be another release? Yeah, more is never going to be enough. Oh, you know, if I had that house, once you get the house, you want a bigger house. Once you get that car, you want a better car, a faster car. Once you get, you know, that achievement, you want even more. Those things won't satisfy. Here's the deal. Only Jesus can satisfy the longing of your heart. Only Jesus can satisfy you internally. I love what Psalm 36, because there's something that happens when you plant yourself in the house. You, you, you're fulfilled and you flourish. Psalm 36 says, they shall abundantly, they shall, they are, should I say, they are abundantly satisfied. It's not like God just gets a little bit of perfume and dabs it on you. He, he, it says he abundantly satisfies. Uh, they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the rivers of pleasure. Here's the deal. If you're not living a satisfied life, you're living it wrong. 
Think about that. Because God's design. See, many of us are living by default. But God's design is that you live fulfilled. That you live satisfied. You know, we live in a world that can't get any satisfaction. But Jesus satisfies the longing of every heart. He satisfies every thirst. There's a lot of thirsty people out there. Thirsty for many different things. But like the woman at the well, Jesus said, come to me. I've got water that you do not know. And once you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. See, maybe that thing that you're praying for, that need in your life, maybe you're looking to resolve it with the wrong thing. Because it's only Jesus who can satisfy the longing of our heart. And we're going to believe in Him. Now, how many know that this is a process? Everyone say it's a process. It's a process. You and I are in this process. But I believe God wants to locate you this morning, uh, this evening. He wants to locate you as to where you're at in that process. Doesn't mean where you. It doesn't matter where you're at. But what I know is whether you've been a Christian two days or 30 years, God has more. Come on, God has more for us as a church. Come on, we exist because of the Jacks and the Celias and the Wills. That's why we exist. You can go, oh, well, I'm all right, I've got my answer, but there's a place a fulfillment that only can be attained through serving. Uh, hallelujah, this is a fourth cup. Hallelujah, it's a funny word. Many people don't want to know what it means, they just say it as a bridging word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, it's, it's one of those words. Hallelujah, praise God, hallelujah. Glory to be to God, you know, it's like, you know, these bridging words that, that preachers use. Hallelujah. Uh -huh. uh, hallelujah simply means to celebrate. That's what it means means to boast or rave. It means to rave. That's why I reckon church should be the biggest party on the face of the earth. Yeah, you know, I think, man, there was a party happening last night in Hamilton. Tongans know how to party. In fact, our Tongan pastor said, man, the whole nation is in party mode right now. We're going to have a great day in church. Now, I reckon so many people get too serious when they come to church. Come on, we need to get some halal you know, in, in us to rave, to boast, to celebrate. You know, hallelujah is about that. You know, we need some crazy praise in church. Come on. It's not hard to praise God. Come on. Come on, we need to get some crazy praise. Jesus is in hard to praise. Come on, it's not hard to worship God. Come on, it's not hard to lift Him up. We praise you, God. We bless you. We honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Well, at the end of the service, man, I really believe this place is going to break out in some crazy praise. Some of us are, are too conservative, but God's, God's called us 
I, I think this, if, if there's one place you can be yourself, it should be church. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you are crazy outside of church, but when you come to church, you get all serious. <laughs> you know, how many know when people are in their own home, they do things that they don't do in public? Yeah, I want to say, say, this is home, man. Some of you aren't dancers, but you dance at home. And my daughter said, Dad, stop dancing, stop dancing. I said, oh, I'm only doing it for you. But you know, this is home. This is home. That's how God's designed it. And we need to throw off our inhibitions and, and just praise God. See, see, when we live our dreams, praise naturally occurs. When there's a fulfillment of a dream or when there's a victory, praise is a natural response. How many know there's nothing more satisfying than when a team's working right? Uh, when, it, when it's working properly. And there's nothing more frustrating when you've got all the right players with the right abilities, but, uh, but it's not working. It's not gelling. It's not, there, there's not coming, to get, uh, coming together. Here, here's the deal. When church is working, there's nothing like it on the earth. Uh, what church is, is one big team. Team. And we're here to be filled and filled. Uh, we're here to be full of God, but to, to not just be full, we've got to still be filled. Some people say, well, why would I want to be filled unless I'm empty? You know, but here's the deal. You want to be filled when you're full so your life spills over. And, and we're called to live lives that spill over all the time. They spill over in service. They spill over and reaching out to people who don't know Jesus. There's nothing more satisfying knowing that you're part of somebody else's journey and them coming to Jesus and finding the hope that you've found. How many know if you go to watch a good movie, you tell your friend? So man, you gotta see their movie. Now, now if you watch a good movie by yourself, it's just not the same. How many know sometimes watching a movie, it, it matters who you watch it with. Some people, you know, just critique everything. Oh, that's dang. Flip and enjoy it. Oh, that could never happen in reality. It's like, like, like just, just enjoy. Oh, I don't know what they're saying there. It's like, you know, we know it's the movies, it's Hollywood. You know, some people, but yeah, 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 you watch it with some people. You know, I know when it comes to uh, my daughters, my daughters love watching movies with, with my father because he just loses himself in it. And, and, and he almost wets himself at, 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 at the driest jokes. The stuff, he's just laughing. And they're not laughing because the movie's funny. They're laughing because he's laughing. Do you know your life is contagious? Come on, how you approach things. And, and you know, it's just serving. In church, we get to do this together. We get to win the world. You know, 85 people saved on a Friday night. Come on, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty amazing. Lives that have been changed. You have somebody sit back and go, wow, how many of them are gonna go on in their faith? Shut up. Because the word of God has gone forth. 
And the word of God will not return void. It will accomplish everything that is sent for forth. Yeah, we want to do the, our best to nurture them, to grow them. But do you know, I wouldn't be here if somebody had that response with my father. He gave his heart to Jesus at every boys and every girls rally. Revolution tour back in the 60s. That's where he gave his heart. He didn't go on with that decision. In fact, through his teenage years, he was a drunk farmer. All his aspirations were, were just owning a farm. He accomplished that. At the age of 22, owned his own farm. But something at that moment, that seed that was deposited in his life when he's 12, somebody watered it at 22. It came alive. And he realized he was born for more. He had a greater purpose than just owning a farm, making a living. You know, he had material possessions. He could go out and buy a new car when he wanted, but he had something inside him wasn't satisfied. And he tells many of the conversation he had with my mom in his kitchen where he said, we're either for God and we're all in or it's nothing. And that moment, that seed that was deposited in his life when he was 12 came alive when he was 22. And that seed has grown to a place where now his ministry, his service is having an impact on the globe. A farmer from Altucky, a farmer from a one-horse town. Some of you don't even know where all Tucky is. But God did something radical, and I'm here today because of that seed that was planted as a 12 and 13-year-old in that man's heart. And I'm the benefactor of that, as are many of you. See, we can sit back. We could just change the world. Too many people view things wrong. They reckon there's two types of Christians, ministers and non-ministers. I don't know if you realize, according to New Testament scripture, you are a minister. You are a minister. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a minister. You're a minister in this place. Some people think, oh, well, that, that's what those professionals do, pastors do. But we've embraced in many places the Old Testament pattern. But Jesus came to change all of it. He came to change it, change the game. Where there wasn't a high priest that has to do the work so our sins can be made right with God. Jesus became a high priest. And now every person has access to God. Everyone has access to His presence. In fact, 500 years ago, Martin Luther nailed something on a door. It's happened in the last week, celebrations around the world. And he was confronting the church because the church 
and moved away from God's original intention. They're all about works, but he says, no, salvation is by grace. And through that reformation, he introduced the concept of the priesthood of all believers. See, here's the deal. As Peter says, let's go in our Bible. First Peter, I want, want you to go there quickly. First Peter, I'll find it. Can't find it. First Peter chapter 2. Listen to this, it says, but you're not like that, for you are a chosen people. God's chosen you. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests. There's it there. What are you? You're a royal priest. So not only are you a minister, you're a priest as well. A holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show. Turn to neighbor and say, you can show it. You can show others the goodness of God for He's called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. He's called you out of darkness. He's chosen you. You're a priest. You have full access. There's no divide. You know, pastors, what are pastors' roles? They, they aren't there to do the ministry. A pastor's role is to equip ordinary people to do ministry. When you wake up in the morning, tomorrow, you need to wake up realizing that you're a minister and you can show the goodness of God to the world around you. You can demonstrate God's love. You have everything you need. See, when you step out in faith and you believe that, you begin to see God work. So you go, well, I don't feel qualified. Well, none of us are. At the age of 18, I started a group. I hadn't even read the, the whole Bible. In fact, a lot of us still haven't read the whole Bible. And we felt underqualified. We think, man, I need a Bachelor of Divinity before I can be a minister. No, you just need to go with what you know. Take what you know. Take what Jesus has done in your life and go and use it to serve the people around you. But here's the thing. If you put yourself in a place where you're going, Philip, I don't know. It's all right. You don't have to have all the answers. I was talking to somebody this morning, and they go, man, I'm sharing with my workmates, and I haven't got the answers, but I go home each night, and I go search it out, and I come back the next day, and I come back with the answers, and they're blown away. <laughs> you know, some of us right now aren't in a position where we need to get the answers because we're not serving people. But when you serve people, when you put yourself out there, when you take a step of faith, you go, oh. It, it puts a hunger in you. It puts a desire in you. Man, that's a good question to answer, asking. There's an answer for that. I don't know. I'm going to search it out. I'm going to discover it. Now, you know, so many people go, oh, well, once, once I've got it figured out, then I'll leave. I'll leave. But here's the thing. You'll never have it figured out. Man, I've been doing this for a long time, and, and I know. But I've seen God move when I've just taken it. And I've applied faith to it. I've shared with people. Sometimes, it, and, and it's like Jesus said, uh, you know, don't worry what you're going to say. 
God will fill your mouth with the right words. He'll give you the right words. And I've shared with people, and as I'm speaking, I find I'm saying some really cool stuff. And I go, where's that coming from? You know, that's the Holy Spirit empowering me in that moment. That's the Holy Spirit coming alongside me and giving me the words to speak. But how's that triggered? It's triggered by faith. And when that happens, it's going, man, you come out of that just on a high. You get a buzz. You, you feel so fulfilled in a way that, that nothing it's like nothing else. Serving people and reaching people is addictive. In fact, it's so addictive, I'm hooked. I got hooked at the age of 18, and I said, I'm going to give the rest of my life to this. Come on, some of us right now are looking for satisfaction, fulfillment in a career. We're looking for it in relationships. We're looking for it in material possessions. Only Jesus and His mission and purpose can satisfy the longing of your heart. Come on, don't live your life doing stuff that He hasn't purposed you to do. You're on this planet for a reason. And God's got a purpose for your life. How many believe that? Come on, if you believe that, say amen. Amen, I'm done. Stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. This message is ministered to you in any way. Throw your hands in the air. <laughs> Easy way to do it. Come on. Come on, I want you to respond. If it's ministered to you in any way, just throw your hands in the air. Just, uh, it's just a sign. If it has in any point, you know, I, I just get you to ask this question. At the end of every message, in fact, this is a pattern I want to establish. Is I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, what would you speak to me? through this message. Where would you want to bring adjustment to my life? Where do I need to change? Come on, I really believe if you open your heart, the Holy Spirit will speak right here, right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your power. Thank you, Jesus.